Good morning. Welcome to King's Church. My name is Dan Evans. I'm glad you've chosen to connect to our service today. We're in a series titled The New You, where we're looking at the essentials of a Christian life. And the title of my sermon today is A New God, where we're going to look at how we respond having a new relationship with God. And I might be a little more academic today. There's a lot of scripture references that I want to read and let them do most of the talking, but I hope that's okay. As a way of introduction, I want to say that God being new to us means that we are putting God first in our lives, but it's a process. When we become Christians, believers, Christ followers, we become a new person and we need to live in a new way. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away and behold, the new has come. When we become Christians, we have a new God and it's not God that's new. He's eternal, of course, but we now have a new relationship with him. We're no longer our own God. We, God is now in control of our lives and we have submitted ourselves to him in a new relationship and we begin to put him first in everything. The dynamic goes like this. When we become Christians, we are instantly made new creations. As I just read in 2 Corinthians 5, we're instantly redeemed. We're instantly justified from the consequence of our sin. But there is a process that we go through called sanctification, which is basically a process of growing where we are recognizing areas of our life not yet submitted to God. And we begin to put him first in our life in every way. It's a process that we, we work through. We learn to put God first in every thought, every belief, every attitude, literally every part of our life. In Matthew 6, it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And in John 3.30 it says, he must increase and I must decrease. There's this process of putting God first over and over and over in our life. It's called sanctification. It's where we learn and recognize the weaknesses that we have and we grow forward in our relationship with God by putting him first. Putting God first in our life includes everything about our life. He gets the first of all my energies. He gets the first of all my time and priority. He gets the first of my relationships. So he's first in my marriage. He's first in my parenting of my kids. He's first in my friendships. And he gets the first of my resources, of my finances, my money. Now, please don't tune me out because this can be the single area of a person's life where they fail to make God first. And it's not because they intentionally want to, but it's because they don't realize the benefits of having God's best for them because they're putting him first. When God is not first with your finances, you soon discover there's other areas of your life where you're failing to put God first. And when we do that, that can lead to a very frustrated Christian life. And I know many believers who live this way. They're very frustrated with their life. They don't understand why. They're doing the best that they can. But we can begin to recognize that because they have failed to put God first in the area of their finances, many other areas of their life are not doing well. Let me also say this. God does not need us to give him money. He already owns everything. In Psalm 24, 1, it says, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains, 
the world and those who live in it. In 1 Chronicles 29, 12, it says, both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. We see in these verses that God owns everything. There's nothing we have that we can give to him because he's already has it all. God does not benefit by us giving him anything. We have nothing in our own strength, nothing in our own capacities, nothing that we've earned on our own that we can give God that benefits him. It's not for his benefit that we give him our first, it's to our benefit. I hope you're still with me. I wanna focus on giving God our first when it comes to money. And I hope this doesn't scare you off or that you tune me out because I really believe it's a principle that can bring great freedom and clarity to your Christian life. There's a principle that runs throughout all of scripture and it's called the principle of the first. And what principles are is they are truths that are given to us in the Bible through stories and examples and events that took place throughout the history of the Bible. And so we realize that these stories and these examples and these parables and things that were given in the Bible, they are bound by the context of the period of time, the culture, the people that existed during that time. And oftentimes we get hung up right there. And that's how we say that the Bible is really not relevant for today because we can't take those stories of old and transpose them to modern day thinking. But what we need to understand is that those stories exist in the Bible to teach us a parable, or I'm sorry, to teach us a principle. And the principle is a truth that is true then, it's true now, it'll be true forever. And so we need to always dig a little deeper when we're reading scripture and try to understand what is the principle that this is trying to communicate to us. And that's what I want to talk about today. The principle of the first is something that runs throughout all of scripture. And it basically means this, if God is first in your life, then everything else is put in order. If God is not first in your life, it's, then everything else in your life will really not be in order. If God's first in your life, everything can come into order. This doesn't mean you won't have problems or troubles in life because life is, life is broken for us, right? We, we live in a broken world. Humanity is infiltrated with the condition of sin and so things are messy. We, we have difficulties in life. We have sickness. We have disease. We have trouble with finances. We have relational failures. We have our own internal weaknesses that we struggle to. And so this is not a principle that says all of life will be good, but it is a promise that everything in your life can come into order and you can walk through every situation that you go through because God is in charge and he is in control because you've put him first. Remember Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Now, I want to look at this principle of the first as we submit our life to our new God. I want to look into the Old Testament in Exodus 13. I'm going to read in verses 1 and 2. Now, I know this is the Old Testament. These are, again, there's a principle that's being taught here. We're going to have to navigate a little bit through the history of the story being told. But I want to try to get to the principles that lie underneath it. So in verse 1 of Exodus 13... It says, the Lord said to Moses, consecrate, which means set aside, consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both man and of beast, 
is mine. Now, this is a very strong statement, especially in the original Hebrew that's being made here. God is not giving us much room here. He's saying, it's not just, I'm hoping that you give to me, you consecrate, set aside for me the first. It says, no, it is mine. The firstborn belongs to God. And in Exodus 13, verse 12 and 13, he goes on to say, you shall set apart, which means again, consecrate, you shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. The in other words, the first of everything that you get belongs to God. In verse 13, it says, the firstborn of every donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, or if you do not redeem it, you shall break its neck. In other words, you'll lose it. If you don't redeem it, you will lose it. Every firstborn of man among your sons shall you redeem. Now, I don't want us to get hung up again on the Old Testament customs that are being talked about here. I want us to continue to dig deeper and see the principle here. My first point that I want to make is that what we see in this passage of Scripture is the firstborn must be sacrificed or the firstborn must be redeemed. There were two options given to us in that story in Exodus. Your firstborn is either sacrificed or your firstborn is redeemed. The firstborn must be, according to this verse, sacrificed or redeemed. Now, again, this is an, a law of the Old Testament. We know that we don't necessarily live under that law. We live under grace. But there's a principle behind these laws that are still true for us today. According to Old Testament culture, and you just have to trust me on this, there were two classifications of animals that was used to signify clean and unclean. The lamb represents the clean animal and the donkey represented the unclean animal. Don't ask me why that was. We just take that as it was the Old Testament custom in that day. So the firstborn from a clean animal, the lamb, had to be sacrificed. The firstborn from the unclean animal, the donkey, had to be redeemed with the sacrifice of the clean the word redeemed basically means to compensate for the faults of or the bad aspects of. Hope you're not confused. It can be easy to, to happen. Let me repeat this. If it's clean, it's to be sacrificed. A clean firstborn must be sacrificed. If it's an unclean firstborn, it must be redeemed with the sacrifice of the clean. Okay, now let me tell you why that's important for us to grasp. This represents exactly what Jesus Christ has done for us. We are born unclean with the nature of sin in our life. Ever since the original sin of Adam and Eve, the human race has been affected with the nature of sin. We're born with a sinful nature. We are born unclean. And you can easily see that in your kids, right? You don't have to teach your kids to act bad. Children are born with the, the automatic nature of being selfish and wanting everything for themselves. And we actually have to train our kids to behave well and to give and, and to not be self-centered. We have to train them for that because we're all born unclean. Jesus, on the other hand, was born clean, he was born knowing no sin. He lived a perfect and sinless life. He was born clean. Now let's remember the principle. 
The clean had to be sacrificed so that the unclean could be redeemed. This is what Jesus did for us. He was clean and he was sacrificed so that you and I could be redeemed from the consequence of our sin. The principle of the first starts with the firstborn. The firstborn, you see, redeemed all the rest. God doesn't ask us for a tenth born, if you notice. He asks us for the firstborn. The f God didn't say, when you get ten lambs, give me one of them. He said, no, give me the firstborn, and you need to trust me for the rest. Jesus tells us, that we should tithe in Matthew 23. I'll let you look that up later. I'm not going to go into necessarily the tithe and what makes that tithe up, but just enough to say it's 10% of your finances. The principle of the first was started by God and Robert Morris, who is a lead pastor of Gateway Church in Dallas. He's written many books. He makes this statement. He says, Jesus is God's tithe. Jesus is God's firstborn born clean with no sin, and he was sacrificed to redeem us, the unclean who were born into sin. My second point about this is, is that instructions on tithing is throughout the Old Testament, and that's a, kind of a topic for another day. But in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, is a reference to our giving, and it reads, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. So we see the principle of the first being applied to how we should give towards the church. We, we see the tithe that we're supposed to give being affected by this principle of the first so that the tithe needs to be the very first fruits that we, do, we, we give with the finances that we have. We give our first because God gave his first to us. And in Exodus chapter 23, 19, it says, the best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Now, two things I wanna note about that reference. One is that tithe comes into the house of God. It comes into the church. Our tithe does not come to missionaries or other charities or to community initiatives or helping the poor or supporting others, even though those are all fantastic things. And we should definitely give resources to those things. But these are things that should be above and beyond in addition to the first fruits of our tithe, which are clearly we're instructed to bring that into the local church. The second thing I want to note about that passage of scripture is that that verse says that we, we bring our first fruits. We don't give them. We can't give what we don't own. And God, we've already read in Psalm 23 that God owns everything on this earth and, and he always will. And so we have absolutely nothing of our own. The finances that I have, the resources that I have, my home, my cars, any possessions that I have, the groceries that I'm able to buy, even the very energies that I have to earn a living in the first place, that's all given to me by God. And so I have nothing of my own. I'm just asked to be a steward of those things because God owns it all. So I have nothing. We have nothing to give to God, but we can bring that portion that God asks us to bring to him, which is our first fruits. Remember the story of Cain and Abel in the Old Testament. 
Let me just read it for you. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 2, it says, Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. So Abel was a herdsman, and Cain was a farmer. And in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, <coughs> he had no regard. Now this story shows us God's favor on those who are following the principle of the first. It says that Abel brought of the firstborn of his flock, but Cain just brought an offering in the, course of nine, in the course of time. See, it wasn't what they brought. Abel's livestock was not more important than Cain's crops, but Cain brought an offering over the course of time and Abel brought the firstborn of his flocks. It wasn't a matter of giving livestock over crops. It was a matter of the heart. It was a matter of how it was given. Abel gave the firstborn. And Cain, as Robert Morris states, he gave what he wanted, when he wanted. And this is oftentimes how we give of our finances to God. We give what we want and we give it when we want to. But we need to understand that the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed and first fruits must be offered. Now everyone does their budgets differently and that's okay. But you need to understand that blessing doesn't come with everything that you put your money towards. The bank, I'm pretty sure, is never going to give you a higher interest rate on your money because you sit down with your paycheck and you put money into your savings account first. There's no guarantee of that. Now, the world will teach you that you always need to pay yourself first, right? If you ever anticipate saving money or planning for retirement, you must pay yourself first. That's a principle that the financial world of this, uh, uh, the financial world will teach you, and it's not a bad principle, but according to scripture, we need to understand that it's actually called us to live a different way. Your mortgage company is not going to offer you a lower interest rate if you sit down with your paycheck and you pay your mortgage first. You're not going to get a discount on your rent because you sit down with your paycheck and you pay your rent first. You don't get any discount at the grocery store because you take your paycheck and you take the first money of that and you go buy groceries with it. But God does promise to bless us if we follow the first principle in giving the first of our finances to him. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 to 12, this will be the last portion of scripture that I'll read for you today. It says, will man rob God? Yet are you robbing me? But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and your contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. It's interesting that God points out here that not giving our first fruits to him is robbery. That should be a sobering thought for us right there. In verse 10, he says, but bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine and your field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. And then all nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. This is why we are here 
Really, this is why we exist, so that the nations will see God and call him blessed. And so I want to encourage you today to put God first in every area of your life, and that includes your finances. Now, I know honest Christians who try very faithfully to live for Jesus, but they don't tithe. And it's not that they're bad people. It's usually because they have a belief that they can't afford it. The number one reason that people say they don't tithe is because they can't afford it. I know some people, of course, just don't want to give, but most will tell you that they don't think they can afford it. And I get that. But here's a tip that I believe to be true. You will never be able to afford to give tithe until you give tithe. That's the only thing that will break that mindset. That's the only thing that will show you that you can't afford to give tithe is by taking that step of faith and just doing it. According to the Bible, tithing is what breaks that curse in your life. So just start. Get with someone to help you adjust your budget. You might have to make some hard choices with your budget. Maybe live a more simple life. But just start. Of course, putting God first starts with surrendering your life to following Jesus. You may not yet have a relationship with Jesus today. And I want to invite you to have one today. Today you can take that step of faith. Today you can know that you have a relationship with God. Today you can know that your sins are forgiven. Today you can know that you have a promise of eternal life with him. If you just ask him to forgive you, surrender your life to him, he will forgive you, he will save you, and you can live with him forever. <clears throat> Excuse me, maybe you're already a Christian today, but deep down you know you're not putting God first with your finances you know that you're not honoring him with your first fruits. Maybe you tithe, but maybe it's the last thing that you calculate in your weekly budget. I want you to know that today can be a new chapter for your life. God in Malachi 3 asks him to test him. It's the only place in scripture I've read where God says, hey, challenge me, put me to the test. Give me of your first fruits and just see if I won't come through for you and provide. And so I want to encourage you with the very same thing. Let's put God to the test in a humble way. Let's test God. If you're not giving of your 10%, let's test him by giving your, your 10% right off the top of your check before anything else is paid in your budget. And let's just see how God can provide for you. If you're ready to take, before I pray, I just want to say, if you're ready to take a next step with him, God wants us to be faithful with that 10% and give it as our first fruits, but he also wants us to be faithful with the remaining 90%. And so one thing that we're offering this next semester of small groups is we're going to be going through the Dave Ramsey course, a financial piece. We're going to offer that as a small group. We're going to be, we're going to be meeting and going through the program that financial peace offers. And I want to encourage you, if you're ready to take that next step, if you're, if you need help reshaping your budget so that you can live above debt, if you can live above the fear and pressures that money gives you, if you can live in a kingdom honoring way. If you're ready to make that next step, I would encourage you to, to sign up for that course as it begins this semester. Let's pray. Father, I just want to ask for your blessing on this message. I just want to ask that you would open the hearts of people. Father, for those 
who don't yet know you and have a relationship. I, I just, if, you're, if that's you and you're listening to this message, I just ask you to believe in this prayer with me. Father, I acknowledge that you love me and that you gave your son to save me, to, to be sacrificed so that I could be redeemed from my sin. I am a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask you, Lord, to put your promise within my heart and enable me, Lord, to put you first in every area of life. Lord, if there are those here who struggle with their finances, they're, they're struggling with being faithful and giving their tithe and giving it as first fruits from their income, we pray for a changed heart to put you first in every area of their life, including their finances. Lord, we just ask that you help us to live a God-honoring life in this area. Amen.